Now's the time to make sure your immune system is as strong as it can be and to build your natural immunity. It's time to empower your immune system. Empower supercharges your immunity because it's made from AHCC, one of the most powerful mushroom extracts to ever come out of Japan. It's been shown to enhance your immune protection by over 300%, and it has the robust research to prove it. Empower is my first go-to when it comes to immune support. I personally take it daily and prescribe it to my patients in need of immune support. And who doesn't these days? If you're looking for a way to supercharge your immune system protection and build your natural immunity, Empower is the solution for you. For more information to order, go to theharmonycompany.com. That's theharmonycompany.com. Or call 800-422-5518, 800-422-5518. Use coupon code HOFFMAN20 at checkout and get a 20% discount and free shipping. That's theharmonycompany.com for Empower. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. It's our weekly opportunity to answer your questions. Questions come to questions at drhoffman.net. I'm with Layla Mutin, who's our resident nutritionist. And as usual, it's my pleasure to do this. One of the highlights of my week. And I have to say, I must commend our audience because uh, both on my radio program and in this forum, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Hoffman... <clears throat> Uh, radio per, uh, uh, it's questions at drhoffman.net. Yeah, 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 it changed. Uh, questions at is the for questions here. And then on my radio program, it's uh, 877. Oh, you have it. I have it. Yeah, you have it. <laughs> it's my radio program, right. and I'll just kind of look that up. It's 877-268255. You call that number, and you can record a question. And we got a, quite a few questions uh, that uh, we were able to air on my live program. And just a very you know, uh, a technical note, one of the reasons that we do that is because I, I do the program live yeah. for, on Saturdays from 2 I'm sorry, 12 to 2 Eastern Time. Mm-hmm. But we have many affiliates. We actually have dozens and dozens of affiliates across the country. But through the, mo- the miracles of modern uh, radio technology, uh, some stations take the uh, live feed and they store it. Uh-huh. And then they can air the program later. And what that means is I keep talking, I keep giving out that number, like, call us, call us, call us. But the people hear it maybe at 10 p.m., uh, you know, Pacific time or something like yeah, that in yeah. one of our West Coast affiliates, <clears throat> and they can't call in live. So they mm-hmm. have to call in and then to get an answer box, basically, where they can record a question. Yeah. So it enables us to take seemingly live questions with yeah. people's real voices on the air, and it creates a verisimilitude of uh, a live program. But we do get live callers yeah. interspersed with that. You know, people yeah. who call in from the local radio affiliates or they listen online. Mm-hmm. They listen, And that's a good way to listen to stuff because, sure. frankly, I mean, I travel all over the world and sometimes I want, like, the local news from New York yeah. and I just go online. That's it. And, and I and I could be in right? Lithuania and mm-hmm. I can listen to, you know, in the afternoon, yeah. the morning show yes. in New York and find out what's happening in New York. So anyway, yeah. so you can listen online, you can listen if you have a local radio affiliate. All right, enough of that. Um... We have a bunch of questions, but we have a, a little we have bit some of a. Comments. We have a, a, an article that you wanted to. Um, uh, <clears throat> yeah. To talk about. 
Yeah. Uh, it's about it's about weight inclusive care. Mm -hmm. uh, I belong to a dietetic practice group. One of one of a few. Uh, one is uh, for integrative and functional nutrition dietitians, but also for nutrition entrepreneurs is one. And a very interesting article came out, and it was because of a topic that was that was shown that was done at FNCE. FNCE is the Food and Nutrition Conference Expo that is done every year by the by the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics and what they're talking about is weight inclusive care how do we provide weight inclusive care while still respecting the client's autonomy and there is a new word <laughs> it's a new word for me uh, the person who writes this article says something else I enjoyed learning from this presentation was about healthism. Healthism is the idea that a person's health is entirely that person's responsibility. So just by virtue yeah. of using the word ism, it you know, yeah. it almost has the connotation of uh, racism, sexism, sexism, anti-Semitism. Yes. Is that it is inherently weight it's an, it's an ism. is an attribute that is uh, you know, something that stratifies people in the intersectional mix. Yes. Right. And it, it sounds like it's, it's almost a little bit of an offshoot of, uh, DEI thought. Yes. You know, diversity, equity, and inclusion and right. like awareness that, uh, mm -hmm. you know, there are different uh, categories of people that we discriminate against uh, because of certain characteristics, yeah. immutable yeah. characteristics. Yeah. But, so, but here's the thing. Uh huh. Um, healthism. It's not as immutable as the color of your skin. Right. Or your racial ancestry, you know, that yes. you are of Jewish ancestry or something mm -hmm. like that, right? Mm -hmm. So that's where the, mm -hmm. it gets a little dicey. But I, what I, it seems to me what they're saying, and there, there's actually a point to be taken here. Sure, sure. Is that uh, the last, the very last bastion of discrimination Mm -hmm. And permissible uh, hate, mm -hmm. jokes, approbation is against overweight people. Yes. Right? Yes. And partially because it is thought to be a moral flaw. Mm -hmm. You know, but what are the, the seven great sins? Well, one is gluttony. Yeah. Right? And so people who, and another one is, uh, I guess, gluttony is another one, what is like sedentary sloth? Sloth. sloth. <laughs> so is sloth plus gluttony equals yeah. excess weight. So that's, yeah. that takes care of two. Right, right. <laughs> right? Yeah. Of the seven deadly sins. Uh, yeah. So uh, there is a certain approved, I mean, to this day, so mm -hmm. approved societal approbation against people who are overweight. So sure. I guess. You know, is it sort of like, um, you know, when you're on a date and you want to initiate sex, you have to ask for permission. Like when you're a dietitian, when you have an encounter with a patient and you have to ask them permission to optimize their weight, is that a, bit, a little bit what the implication of this is? Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. Like not to go there. Uh, the advice is, and, and here's an example. They say, this is advice for dietitians, you have... I am to say to the client, you have complete body autonomy, but of course, right. I think we can work toward your health goals with or without weight loss. I agree with that. That's, that's fine too. But 
if weight loss at any cost is your primary focus, I am probably not the right fit. I disagree with that. Yeah, right. If everything is fine with their right. health and they want to lose a few stubborn pounds, yeah. I'm still in their corner. Right. I'm there to help them. Uh, but the counter argument to that is that we do have sometimes patients who are, quote, overweight. Yes. They're not happy with the way their body looks. Right, right. They, According to, you know, Metropolitan Life Insurance scales or yes. optimal BMI, they're heavier. And we assess them. We'll look at cholesterol. We'll look at cardio, you know, like their right. cardiovascular risk. We'll, we'll find that they that. have zero coronary artery yeah. plaque. Uh, they have a great hemoglobin A1C. Their insulin is normal. Uh, yeah. We can't find a problem, mm -hmm. a metabolic problem. Mm -hmm. uh, their thyroid is fine. Uh, they Everything have good. good energy. They work out at the gym. Yeah, they're, their hormones are fine. There's nothing abnormal they're, there. They're, they're very physically active, but yeah. they can't lose those pounds. Those are the most challenging patients. Yes. And I endeavor to reassure those patients that... Uh, the weight that loss they're is, healthy. that they're healthy and that there should be some self-acceptance yes and that there frankly are some uh barriers to ultimate weight loss yeah uh there i yeah. mean there really are some people who are not uh constitutionally suited to get to yeah. that uh body image that we now put on a pedestal right okay right 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 and then and i, I want to i want my goal is to my primary goal is to get people to be healthy absolutely a secondary goal absolutely. might be to achieve a cosmetic yeah. Exactly. And yep. here's the wonderful thing that happens when you decide to get healthy. A nice little side effect to that is you're going to lose some pounds whether you want to yep. or not. Yep. It's going to happen. Yep. It's going to happen. Well, so an so, example of which is, by the way, these, yeah. these weight loss drugs. Uh, these weight, yeah. I mean, they're weight, they're, they make the pounds peel up, but also other ancillary things happen. There's reduced inflammation. There's reduced uh, cardiovascular risk. Blood pressure improves. Blood sugar improves. I mean, originally these yes. were diabetic drugs. So there's a lot of consequences with weight loss, but there's a certain, I think, a plateau where there's diminishing returns for that person who is maybe 12 or 15 pounds overweight, who is metabolically healthy, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. has been on the best possible diet. And already, see, give me a patient on a really crappy diet who isn't yeah. working out at all, yeah. you know, has triglycerides, you know, are through the roof, through the roof, yeah. and whose hemoglobin A1C is like six point two. Yeah, I could turn that around. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I but but you know, uh, this also what another this is a related topic is uh, the the fat acceptance movement. Yes, and I think that this smacks a little bit of that. Yeah, you know, and there is yeah. you know like with Lizzo who's a performer. Yeah. Who is you know very overweight and mm -hmm. you know it and it I think it's an encouraging role model. By the way, she dances amazingly. Yeah, and I've seen a, her dance in an entourage with oh, frankly overweight dancers. Yeah, who are extremely lithe mm -hmm. and extremely proficient performers. Mm -hmm. And I've actually gone to Broadway to see some uh, some musicals where they actually include, and this is part of inclusivity. It is to include some overweight performers. Yeah, who can dance they. They are amazingly yeah. fit dancers. But the point is, should we in inadvertently in fat acceptance accept an unhealthy uh state of affairs right. for people? Right. Uh, you know, it's it's a quandary because on the one hand, you know, we don't want to put the onus on these people. Yeah. Uh, but on the other hand, we do want to optimize their health and we do have a problem, a health problem in America that's related to obesity. We can't we can't do. ignore that. And here are things, here are the health risks associated with not addressing the weight. 
what's going to happen to those dancers' knee joints in 20 years? Mm -hmm. They're going to be more arthritic yes. than somebody who's not who's carrying around somewhat less weight. Yeah, I worry about you, that. You almost can't argue that. Yeah. That something is going to happen. Yeah. The wear and tear of all of that. Yeah. So you have an to... An example know. of which is, mm -hmm. you know, like NFL linemen, you know, mm. like offensive linemen. They can yeah. be upwards of, you know, 300 pounds. And, you know, yeah. they, they're like sumo wrestlers, basically. You know, yeah. each time that, you know, the ball is snapped, you know, they collide and slam each other. And those guys generally don't live that long. There's mm -hmm. not a lot of octogenarian uh, or nonagenarian football Oh, now this NFL is an interesting study. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. an interesting right? study. Right? I mean, because yeah. I mean, maybe Tom Brady could live to be you know 95. Yeah. yeah. Because that guy really took superb care of himself. He did. And Very it's a, it's a different position. I mean, yes, you have to be big. Yes, you have to be strong. But you also have to be really nimble yes. and fast. Mm -hmm. uh, and he recognized that, and I think one of the keys to his success and longevity in football was his very uh, exquisite, you know, conditioning regimen and diet yeah. regimen. You know, yeah. um, true. But um, so you know, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I thought thought this would be an interesting topic to start with today, and there you have it. Now. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. it's it's a. I think we need a nuanced approach to this. We do. Uh, so. We do. Uh, thanks for teeing off that yeah, discussion. Yeah. Okay, and we ha we also invite uh, comments in mm -hmm. addition to questions on Q and A with Leila. We have a couple of comments. Right? We have a couple of comments, Doctor Hoffman, uh, on your article: New Disease Trends Highlight Medicine's Biggest Failures. One comes from. And by the way, just yeah. uh, let's, the, to summarize yeah. the article: the two biggest failures that we see in terms of America's health picture. One is the striking incidence of cancers in people under 50 yeah. is although we are coming up with better cures for cancer not you know many cancers we're not making that much progress but certain cancers we're making some progress finally yeah. uh, not the you know quote cure for cancer because it's going to be a multiplicity of cures for multiplicity of cancers yeah but we are making progress but when it comes to people developing cancer we're seeing an alarming uptick True. in cancer in young people and we saw just such an instance of that. We saw a young man who came in and, you know, he said he was feeling a little tired. He was a you know, bodybuilder, a guy who looked, really looked like yeah. a muscle man. And uh, I said, you know, let's do some blood tests. We found he was anemic. And, you know, I said, there's no reason for you to be anemic. You're not on a you know, yeah. vegan diet. You need a colonoscopy. He found out he had colon cancer, like 36 or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And so uh, we... Um, uh, are seeing more of that. Mm -hmm. And the, on the other end of the life uh, cycle, we're seeing declines in lifespan. Yes. Because America is not making progress. Other countries are making progress. The average lifespan is declining in America. Mm -hmm. uh, but also a decline in health span mm -hmm. is the time that people spend unhealthy, sick, uh, loss of mobility, loss of cognitive, loss yes. of quality of life yeah. has increased. Yeah. So at and more people being medicalized. There's a lot more polypharmacy, yes. uh, which has uh, quality of life implications. Mm -hmm. So we're the, in that way, medicine mm -hmm. is having some spectacular successes, but in some big areas, mm -hmm. we're failing. So anyway, yeah. people comment on that. So one. we've got two comments here, one from Dr. Lena and the other from Charles. I'll just briefly... Thank you for your insight of lifestyle and environmental factors with regards to plausible causes of cancer. In the article... 
Do you mention the novel mRNA gene therapy, the vaccine, as a plausible factor? Do you think it, it could be possible that this new drug uh, therapy is a factor? How do we know that it isn't when there are no toxicology studies completed prior to injecting millions? And Charles writes, I'm astonished and saddened. Are you too baffled and alarmed at exploding cancer rates? Your survey of causes was safe and effective, but of course avoided the real cause. The real cause the is also safe and effective. So safe and effective is yeah. it's actually, I think that's the title of a documentary that's like an anti-vaccine documentary, yeah. safe and effective. So, okay, so uh, both of them are, and I, you know, I'm pleased that uh, a physician is, is part of our audience. I'm really mm -hmm. glad to have health professionals listen to this. And I think, you know, for like, you know, I, one of the ways that I got into this is I was listening to uh, tapes and radio programs. I listened to Carl Fredericks. I listened to yeah. Dr. Atkins. And, you know, yeah. this is a learning experience for me. So, I'm, yeah. you know, if you're a young aspiring practitioner or a veteran practitioner and you listen to this, I hope that this <laughs> brings some quality to your uh, information flow. Um, okay, so when it comes to the vaccine as the cause of the cancer, um, it's a little bit hard to attribute the rise in youth cancer to the vaccine because the vaccine is relatively recent. Yes. And, you know, I've seen some of these um, inflammatory postings on Twitter about turbo cancer. You know, yes. doctors report turbo cancer. Turbo cancer. And I don't or, know. I don't know. Maybe right. maybe the, I'm not an oncologist. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not seeing that. But yeah. maybe oncologists are seeing like a rise in very rapidly disseminated cancers. But studies have not picked that up. But the biological plausibility of that contention is not that great, given that cancer takes a relatively long time to develop. So the cancers that people are developing at 36 may have had their roots in their 20s, you yes, know, yes. Uh, or even before. So, right, right. so I think more it's about crappy diet, toxic environment, you oh, know, yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Maybe sedentary lifestyle contributes to that mm -hmm. to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. Toxic and emotions, all toxic kinds of emotions, things. Toxic emotions, and yeah. I mentioned that, you know. Uh, Trauma is a big part of that, too. Stress is rampant among young people, mm -hmm. and there is actually a stress cancer uh, connection, but it's not the end-all and be-all. I think it's yeah. going to be a, a multiplicity of factors. Is the vaccine implicated? Uh, I don't know. To be seen. I think the vaccine has a wealth of side effects. I will point out, though, that if this guy... He said he was going to unsubscribe because we didn't... Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, we're starting to lose you, but um, you know, I think you misread me if you think that I am oblivious to uh, concerns about the vaccine. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as we'll see later, because we have a question about another vaccine, I am not per se anti-vaccine. Uh, so, mm -hmm. however, on my radio program this weekend, I took t uh, to task one of my colleagues who actually I interviewed on the radio. She had a, a guest essay in the New York Times. Mm-hmm. Her name is Danielle Ofri. She's a primary care doctor uh, working out of Bellevue here in New York. It's one of the places I trained at. Mm -hmm. um, she wrote a guest essay entitled, My patients used to be gung-ho about the COVID vaccine. What changed? And she appears to be puzzled because she says, you know, all these patients, they, they took the first two vaccines, and now they don't want to take the booster. And, you know, what she's saying is they don't really understand they you know when she when she queries them why don't they want the booster they don't really have an answer and so she then says as like a benign i think somewhat paternalistic physician although yeah. she's a woman mm -hmm. uh she can women can still be paternalistic sure yeah <laughs> well, yep. maybe they're maternalistic but yep. i think 
maternal is more benign than paternal. Yes. In this yes. sense. Yeah. Uh, is she says, well, let me talk to these poor benighted people and engage them in conversation and, and question mm-hmm. their irrational resistance to the booster. And she concludes, uh, you know, she goes, here they are, one after another, rejecting a medical intervention that most have safely received before that substantially improves outcomes. And they can't really articulate a specific reason, in, even to themselves. Well, this is wrong. This is wrong. Is the people who aren't taking the vaccines, and by the way, I think it's like 21% of Americans have taken the booster. Yes. And many of them, I think, maybe older people who are frankly kind of scared. Yeah. You know, and uh, the rate among children where they're still recommending the vaccine is infinitesimally low. Parents don't want their kids to get the booster. Mm-hmm. And here's the problem. The problem is that people are aware yeah. that it doesn't really provide any, if at all, protection. Yeah. Especially if you've already had COVID, which the vast majority of us already have yes. had. Yes. I've had it twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've had it once. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are other people once who may have, had, unbeknownst yeah. to have had it because yeah. they don't bother to test themselves anymore. Yes. Some people may have had a subclinical thing. We can ascertain with a blood test whether they've acquired natural immunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, new study out of Austria. Boosters do not work in people who have had COVID. Uh, now, in people who have not had COVID, that's another question. May, you know, If you are the rare person, maybe there's like single-digit percentage of people who have never had COVID. Yeah. Maybe a booster, maybe, but that hasn't really been tested because it's such a rare case. Yeah. There's so few people who... And so, what they found is... The the author's report, uh, all-cause death uh, uh, is is lower in boosted groups, okay? But that may be, it's very modestly lower, and that may be what's called the healthy vaccine bias, vaccine bias. In other words, people who seek that out, they're more... They have healthier behaviors in general. They're more, better yes. educated. They're probably, yes. you know, they take maybe they take vitamins. They eat a better sure. diet. So that's, but they finally conclude we did not observe a significant vaccine effect of a fourth vaccine dose for COVID 19 deaths during a time with already very low absolute risk for this outcome. Mm-hmm. And in fact, uh, whether or not people took the, the vaccine, no individual younger than 40 died due to COVID-19 in this study mm. in Austria. So big study. Another study from Qatar suggests the natural immunity confers a very strong and lasting prediction against severe COVID with no evidence of waning immunity. And the problem with the vaccine is that in the best case studies, it shows that it can slightly increase your antibodies, uh-huh. which may equate to real world uh, uh resistance to COVID mm-hmm. or bad outcomes from COVID, but that wanes very quickly within weeks. Yeah. And natural immunity is more durable. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and then finally, in there's also a review from Peter McCullough already, you know, he's, yes. he's kind of anti-vaccine, but it's a very well articulated review. And he says basically three things. He says, first of all, the, tri- the trials uh, were inadequate. They mm-hmm. rushed this into production and the findings were even uh, omitted. You know, there's some missing data. Uh, some of the findings were misrepresented when they got the emergency use authorization for the vaccines because of the fear and apprehension mm-hmm. over COVID, which may have been warranted, you know, because we didn't know what we were dealing with. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, he says, second point, 
It was only after the emergency use authorization that the serious biological consequences, I'm quoting, of rushing the trials became evident with numerous cardiovascular, neurological, reproductive, hematological, malignant, and autoimmune serious uh, adverse events were identified and oh published goodness. in the peer-reviewed medical literature. Yeah. So this is real. This, yeah. There's a lot of side effects with these vaccines. Mm -hmm. And it, he also is concerned that the more boosted you are, the more likely you are to have a reaction. And that's yeah. quite possible, although it needs to be further studied. Yeah. And finally, uh, he says that uh, for the vast majority of adults under the age of 50, the perceived benefits of the mRNA boosters are profoundly outweighed by their potential disabling and life-threatening harms. So he is calling for a global moratorium on for mRNA products until all relevant questions pertaining to causa causality uh, and also the, he's also talking about production problems. Yeah, I mean, how can you produce something? Um, you know, even an airplane. You know, we see the doors are blowing what, off. Seven thirty-seven. Of <laughs> but if you want to create like hundreds of millions of vaccines. You think the quality control was perfect on those vaccines? Yeah. Do you also think that yeah. in every venue where you got them, they were probably properly transported stored and stored? And, and, yeah. and for those of you who worry about that you took the vaccine and you wish you hadn't, maybe you got a dud vaccine. Maybe, yeah. So, you Blessing know, because yeah. I got my two shots and then mm -hmm. within like two, three months, I got COVID fairly Oh, there you go. Fairly severely. I mean, like I was okay. oh, sick as a dog, but I wasn't in any yeah. life-threatening situation. I, yeah. So, you know, would, would I have been worse? I mean, some people would contend that, mm -hmm. but, mm -hmm. you know, wow. I, and then I said, you know, I tried to, you know, I tried to kind of do a little mind switch. I said, oh, I am so miserable. But I said, oh, thank God I'm getting natural immunity. I'm getting yeah. sick. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So anyway, wow. so so this is to push back against people who like, you know, mm -hmm. since this guy is unsubscribed and he's not listening to us anymore because he's in a pout because we didn't, you know, right. we didn't mention his favorite subject, which is vaccines, <laughs> you know, uh, less yeah. we, and, and at the risk of turning off some people, because some people will say, how can you, you're a responsible doctor and you have a yeah. lot of outreach to people, how can you possibly impugn the vaccines, which are so much our public safety measure against, it's like no, I've got to be, I got to be balanced and real in Absolutely. my assessment about this. Absolutely. So, you know, thank you for your comments, <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Lena and Charles. Charles, we're, so, we're sorry to see you go. We're sorry to see you okay. go. Okay. Okay. All right. And uh, you know, you'll be missing out, but yeah, uh, it's, yeah, it is what it is. Uh, okay. You know what Abraham Lincoln used to say. <laughs> you can please some of the people all the time and not right. all the people all the time. Right, right. Whatever you said. Uh, you know the thing. Yeah. You know the thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> time for another question, or are we about no, the we, end of uh, We're about part the one. end of the line for part one, so okay. uh, we'll have more time in part two to answer some of your questions. Mm -hmm. And questions come to questions at drhoffman.net. Today... I'm with Layla Mutin. It's our weekly Q&A with Layla, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast.